Ah, chess. I've heard that story might not be true, but it's a good story, don't you think? <laughs> good morning, my name is Eric. I serve on the lead team here, and well, welcome to the meeting place this morning as we continue our series called The, play, the Games We Play. I learned how to play chess from my grandfather when I was about 10 years old. He was very kind to me as he coached me and let me rethink that last move I made because maybe that wasn't the best. And he taught me that the object of the game is to capture your opponent's king using all of your pieces and all of the strategies available to you. Once you've won, you could declare checkmate. Well, it would be quite a long time before I could ever say those words. But my grandfather, he taught me about all of the different pieces and the roles that they play. We have the king and the queen. The king can move in any direction he wants, one step at a time, while the queen can move in any direction but multiple steps, in fact, as far as necessary. Very useful and very powerful. Then we have the rook. The rook can move up and down or sideways across the board, again, as far as is required. The bishop can do the same thing except in the diagonal. And then we have the sneaky knight. That piece can move in eight different positions in a circumference around it, and it can jump over pieces to get there. So it's very useful, and you really have to watch those guys. So you get one king, one queen, one bishop, one rook, and one knight. And all of them have different roles and different strengths, and you can use those all together to develop your strategy. And then you have the pawn. You get eight of them. Uh, they're not quite as powerful. For one thing, they can only move in one direction, and they can only move one step at a time, except for the first time they can move two. But really, it's kind of limiting. And they can only attack diagonally, which means if they're moving forward and they bump into something, they can't move forward and they're stuck. So they're not really quite as useful as the other pieces are. But anyway... You use all of the pieces and you develop your strategy, where you want to go, how you want to complete the mission, and then each player takes turns, and eventually somebody wins and gets to say those famous words, checkmate. Now what I like about chess is that you can use all the pieces and you can develop your strategy, even the pawns. I've seen games played where a player is down to one king and one pawn, and they still win. You know why? Because in the hands of a chess master, there are no useless pieces. Every piece on the board has value and has something that it can add to winning the game. Okay, you can probably figure out where this is going, right? Reminds me a little bit of us, doesn't it? We all have roles that we can play. We all have value that we can contribute. We can contribute these values in our families, with each other, with this church, in our community, right? But do we believe it, like deep inside? There's a letter in the Bible that was written to a group of people like us in a small city called Corinth. The Apostle Paul use the human body as a metaphor to try to demonstrate how everybody plays a role. 
And we're going to read parts of that letter this morning, starting with this. There are different spirits, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Did you catch that last part? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other? Each of us? I mean, sure, it can sometimes seem like other people have all kinds of gifts and talents, but, but me? You? I recently heard a story about somebody who had this talent for remembering names. That's kind of cool, but how important is that? Well, we heard in one of our 101 courses the story about somebody who had been at the end of their rope. And they came to the meeting place, and they liked what they saw, and so they came again the following week. And when they came in, the greeter at the front door, who had talked to them the previous week, addressed them by their first name. That person says they were blown away. Somebody remembered my name? I matter? I belong? Everyone can make a difference with even the smallest gifts that they've been given. And we're all so different, so sometimes we, we don't know exactly where we fit in. Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, you know, leave it to those people. But suggesting that other people have skills and we don't is a little bit like the chess player saying, you know, all I need is a king and a bishop and let me go. Well, no. We're supposed to do this together. I'm going to read on here. It says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Everyone has value. Everyone has purpose. A God-given purpose. And we need each other. God loves it when we work together. The letter goes on. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is part of it. Here are some parts God has appointed for the church. First are the apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then there are those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who can help others. Did you catch that one? Those who have a gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages, and these are just some of the roles. There are so many others. Are you wondering, perhaps, what your role might be? Or do you need a reminder, perhaps? Well, there's a lot of ways to maybe accomplish that, but I have an idea for you that you might want to try. It's simple. Pray, read, wait, do, repeat. Pray. Say to God, I'm ready. I'm willing. I want to know. What should I do? What can I do? What are my skills? What are my talents? What are my gifts? What do you want me to do in this grand scheme? Pray. Or, and, then next, you can read. You can read the Bible 
to be inspired, to get ideas. You could read this passage we're talking about today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Or you can read Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Or you can read Matthew 25, where it talks about ways that we can serve others and so many other places in the Bible. So you can read the Bible and you can read for yourself some of these ideas. And then while you're doing that, pray. And then you can wait. Sometimes God tells us right away what we're supposed to do. Sometimes it takes a little while, and I'm not sure why, but he does. That's okay. But what do you do while you're waiting? Well, you can pray. And you can also do something. Find a need and go fill it. Find a task and go do it while you're waiting. And wait. And then, finally, you get confirmation of what it is, and then you do it. You pray and then you go do it, and then you pray some more. There's a common theme running through this, right? Pray, read, wait, do, and then repeat, but always with prayer. Why? Because God wants to do this together with us. Together. The Meeting Place has 170 partners, roughly. And we have about 155 people on our volunteer lists. That's incredible. This is such a generous church. People like to help out around here. Personally, I think it's fun. And you get to make new friends. And you get to grow. Spiritual growth. We grow spiritually when we step in to the roles that God has given us. And as we do that, and as we grow, some things start to become apparent to us. There's a lot more going on here than just developing our skills and our talents. This is really about finding a way to share God's love in this world. The Apostle Paul goes on, he says, But now let me tell you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't have love for others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and had the faith that I could move mountains, but didn't have love, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Let that sink in for just a moment. All those roles, all those things, they sound pretty good and they're all important, but if we're not doing them with love, they mean nothing. This message is called The Games We Play. And it seems to me that some of those games that we play, we play in our minds, in our heads. We may think that these gifts, talents, skills, we may think of all of these things in worldly terms, as if we were working toward a promotion so that we can earn more money or get more recognition or something. It can become a bit of a comparison game. I've got more talents than that person, or they have more talents than me, and then jealousies start to come up. And we can fall into this trap of thinking too highly of ourselves. We might think we're overqualified, sort of like, well, you know, I'd help you with that thing, but I'm kind of overqualified for that. Or, woefully underqualified. 
Why would God ever ask me to do that? It's way too important, and I'm just going to mess it up. Either way, we get frozen in our tracks, and things don't get done. Important things, life-changing things. We've got to get unstuck. So how do we do that? Well, I'd like to put it forward for you to think about is, is what if we change our focus? A little further out, maybe. Here at the meeting place, our long-term vision is to be known as a church that shines God's extravagant love on our city. And our mission statement is to equip people to love God and to love others every day, everywhere. Love. But what does it mean to love? Well, the following will give us a clue. It's probably one of the more famous passages in the Bible. You've probably heard it if you've gone to a wedding at some point or another. And it is good for the bride and the groom to hear this, but it's for all of us. And I find it so interesting that the Apostle Paul put it right here in the middle of all of this that we've been talking about. Here it is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And he concludes by saying, Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. We each have roles to play, and our roles may change over our lifetime. Different times for different times in our life. Sometimes we may play a more powerful role, like a queen or a bishop or a rook or something. And sometimes we'll play a more humble role, like a pawn. But it doesn't matter when we do it in love. It isn't about achievement, it's about love. It isn't about upward mobility or seeking to make ourselves greater somehow. It's about thinking about ourselves less and thinking about others more. And we all have a role to play, and they're all important. In the same way that there are no useless pieces in the hands of a chess master, in the hands of a loving God, all people, all of us, have tremendous value. And those games we play in our minds, sometimes we believe the lies of the world. Sometimes those are lies we're telling ourselves, aren't they? We can choose to believe those lies, or we can choose to believe God. So what does God think of our value? Well, here's a clue, a really well-known verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whomever would believe would have everlasting life together with him. I want to close with a quick story. My wife and I were recently vacationing in another city and we were walking along this boardwalk and 
Driving towards us on his bike is this man, kind of wobbling, actually. The bike wasn't in terribly good shape, and nor were his clothing. But he had a big smile on his face, and he struck up a conversation with us. And while we were talking, somewhere in the back of my mind, I had this question. I was wondering, when is he going to ask? The ask. You know, the one about, do you have a few dollars to spare? Because that's what I was sensing in the situation. And I, we didn't have any cash with us. We were just you know, walking along in our shorts and stuff. And I was thinking, do I go back to the, the room and get some cash? Or like, make ex- well, what, what, what am I going to do? And I was thinking along those lines. But you know, that question never came. Instead, he asked something quite unexpected. He said, what are you guys doing on Sunday? I said, well, we're not quite sure. Thinking of going to church? He says, well, maybe, actually, we were thinking about it. Oh, you should come to my church. Oh, it's, oh, it's great. We've got great music. We've got a great pastor. And we've got friendly people. You're going to love it. So, you know what? We said, well, think about it. And we did. We thought about it. And we went. And so there we are. And sure enough, up on stage, there's John. That's his name. And he's looking sharp. He's got a nice Aloha shirt on, nice pair of trousers, big smile on his face. He's a well-dressed man up there. And he's playing the bongos. And he's playing these shaker things. I'm just going to call them shakers. You know what I mean, right? So the message was good. The music was good, just like he said. And after everything was done, they played one more song. And everyone's milling out of the auditorium. But while this is happening, I notice that John, while he's playing the shakers, runs off the stage to go meet these two people over there on the other side. So he's talking to them and still shaking. <laughs> and we walked over there to sort of say hi as well. And it turns out he had invited them too. And so we all sort of chatted a little bit. Hugs were exchanged. You know, I learned three things from my encounter with John. One of them was, is you can't judge a book by its cover. That old thing. I had been wondering how I could help him, when in fact it was he who helped me, by inviting, him, by inviting me to his church. The second thing that I learned is you, it's easy to invite people to church. All he did was say, we've got great music, great pastor, friendly people. Does that sound familiar to anybody here? Right? So ever since I've been back, you know, I've been inviting people. And guess what? Sometimes they come. At the beginning of this video, you saw uh, this idea of putting one kernel of wheat on one and then two on the next and four and eight and so on. And uh, that ended up being over 18 trillion over 64 squares. You can know where this is going too, right? John started it by inviting me to church. I'm carrying on by inviting people. I'm telling you all about it, so maybe you'll invite some people. And I'm thinking, can we fit 18 trillion people into this auditorium? We might need another service, right? Good things happen when you make the invitation.
As for the third lesson that I would learn, I'd have to wait another week until the following Sunday. There we were, there he was up on stage, and sure enough, he'd invited two entirely new people. That's six people in two weeks that he had brought to that particular church. We got talking to him a little bit afterward, and I sort of leaned over and said, you know, John, strikes me that you have a gift. You have a gift of evangelism. And he looks at the floor and smiles a little and says, yeah, some people have told me that. And then he gets serious. He says, but I haven't, it hasn't always been that way. I was not a very good person when I was a young man. In fact, I used to belong to uh, drug gangs in Los Angeles. And uh, there was drugs and there was violence and all kinds of terrible things. And, and I spent 22 years in prison. But something happened. God got a hold of me. This is what he said. He said, God has been so good to me. I accepted the love and salvation of Jesus when I got out of prison. I believed in my heart that he had died on the cross for me. And because of that, I could come back to God. Everything I have and everything I am now is because God forgave me and gave me a new start. That's the reason why I invite people to church. It's because God's been so good to me. I, I just want to share that with everybody. And that's the third lesson that I learned from John. Every single person, every single person has great value to God. He loves us. And when we get lost in the games that we play, he's always there, ready to forgive, ready to resume the journey with us. The world may not forgive us, but God will. And we can be useful. Whether we're playing bongos or inviting people to church or serving coffee or sitting up chairs and tables, sitting with somebody who's in pain, praying with somebody, joining a small group, hosting a small group, remembering someone's name. It's all useful when it's done in love. There are no big roles or there's no small roles. They're just roles. And in the hands of a loving God, we're all useful, valued, and loved. And we can learn to love God and to learn others every day and everywhere. And it all starts with a prayer. Accepting God's gift of salvation that, made, that Jesus made possible on the cross. The gift of salvation that Jesus made possible on the cross. And just before Jesus died on that cross, he said something very important. It is accomplished. What did he mean by that? Well, I think he meant love wins. Checkmate. Would you pray with me? Father, there's so many things we don't understand, and there's so many ways that we get confused about what our role in this life is and what our relationship with you should be and so on, but we just want to say thank you. Thank you that you love us Thank you for having patience with us and teaching us. Thank you for never giving up on us. And thank you that we have a way back to you. We pray that all of us would soon find out what the next thing is that you have in mind for us, because we know it's going to be good. 
We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.